stop waiting for a better time, for an opportune time, for everything to line up because it's never going to work like that. Hey, hey, I'm Danielle Ryan and this is Adulting 101. Being an adult is stressful and this podcast was specifically designed to help you navigate the crazy world of adulthood. So buckle up and let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to 2021. Welcome back. I don't know. Welcome to 2021, I suppose. I am so excited to be back here on the podcast bringing you this episode. If you're new here, hello. And if you're not, hello. Things have been changing a lot here on Adulting 101, and that's going to continue into this new year. And I'm just so excited about that. So I figured we would kick this year off with an interview because, again, if you've been listening for a while, you'll know that my new thing is to sort of switch it up between just solo episodes and to bring more guests onto the podcast. So if you've been following me on Instagram, you know that I've been begging people to come follow me on TikTok. And it proves in this episode that my obsession with making TikToks, watching TikToks, spending so much time on TikTok is paying off. And I'm so, so excited because this week's guest is actually someone I found from scrolling on TikTok. So her name is Elise and she is a rapidly emerging coach specifically for millennials, girls, and gays who want to get clarity on their goals, on their finances, and to just find a career that actually lights them up. After her own personal struggles with her own finances and then working with dozens of clients, Elise knows exactly what it takes to gain financial literacy in order to be successful. And in case you didn't know, that includes not having to skip your Starbucks, which I think is the TikTok that led me to find Elise as it went incredibly viral and shares this message that money doesn't need to be stressful and you don't have to take a restrictive approach in order to properly know how to budget and organize your money in a way that will help you in the end. So when it comes to her approach to finance, it's really about recognizing and addressing how privilege, race, gender, sexuality, mental health, and disability can all affect your ability to build wealth, which is something that is so unique and so refreshing to this industry because I think that up until now, a lot of the financial advice we see out on the internet, in podcasts, in books, comes from a very specific subset of people. And so Elise has basically used TikTok to break into this industry and turn it on its head. For example, she has called her most recent program Ballin' on a Budget, which I don't think you would find Dave Ramsey doing anytime soon. And it helps millennials to pay off debt, build savings, and create financial freedom, which I think is something we could all probably use a little bit of help with. And yeah, I'm so, so excited. And while we don't dive too much into specific financial advice in this episode, we have a really great discussion about the power in building community, the importance of learning to stand firm in your truth and in the message that you have to share. And Elise just really shares her story with such honesty, openness, and clarity in what has been the result of, I'm sure, many, many hours of hard work and frustration and overcoming obstacles. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and get right into the interview. Hey, Elise, thanks so much for hopping on here today. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here too. 
Yeah, it's so fun. Um, I always enjoy connecting with different people because especially with coronavirus, we've all been stuck inside for so long. It's so nice to be able to connect with people who we maybe wouldn't in real life anyway. Like you're on the other side of the country from me. I don't know if you knew this, but I'm based like two hours north of Toronto and Elise is in Kelowna, correct? Yes. Yeah. So it's just so fun to be able to sort of come together and share messages with people who are willing and ready to hear it. So would you go ahead and sort of introduce yourself to the audience, let them know who you are and what you're up to? Yeah, definitely. So my name's Elise. I'm an online life coach. I focus on career and money coaching mostly. So that kind of took a pivot during COVID and everything that was happening. I originally was focusing more on just general life coaching, but the need for career and money coaching really became clear (laughs) during COVID. So that's kind of where my business has pivoted to. I am an Enneagram type two, if anyone knows the Enneagram. So that means I'm the helper. So my purpose is very much to serve others and to impact other people's lives. And yeah, I, in my spare time, I love coffee shops. I love trying new coffee shops. I love craft beer. I love hiking, going outside. I'm obsessed with plants. Nobody can see right now, but I have all my plants in the background. (laughs) And that's a little bit about me. I am very much just focusing on my business right now as everything's locked down. And it's been a really great opportunity for me to grow my business and connect with my audience during this time. So that's what I've been up to really. Yeah, I think that's so awesome. I'm just like nodding along. I'm an Enneagram three wing two. So I'm like the achiever and the helper. But I also love all of those same things like coffee, beer. I have my plants that I'm trying not to kill right behind me as well. (laughs) Um, And every time I go grocery shopping, I come home with a new plant. And my fiance is like, why do you keep buying these? They just keep dying. And I'm like, I have hope that one day they will survive. So (laughs) I love that. Now, I actually met you through TikTok, like you kept coming up on my feed. And then finally, I think it was the like Starbucks one that sort of went like really viral. And you got a lot of traction from that one. Um, After that, I was like, okay, I need to reach out to her and have her come on the podcast because money in particular is a topic that I've addressed in a few episodes myself. But it's, it's always nice to hear different people's perspectives, because having that conversation about money, especially as millennials, it's something that's so pervasive in our lives, I think it's really important to sort of open the door for those conversations to happen. And I think you do it in a way that's really fun and inviting and interesting. I know that a lot of the TikToks you shared in the past week or so have been about like Dave Ramsey and how your perspective is a lot different than his. And I just think that's so wonderful and something that's so needed in the industry. So can you kind of talk about how that shift sort of happened? Like you had mentioned, you were sort of just generally coaching and then you sort of saw this need and decided to fill it. So what did that look like exactly? Yeah. So from the beginning, I did have a little bit of money coaching in my programs because I myself really struggled with my finances throughout university and not growing up with parents who told me much about money. So I felt very much in the dark when it came to finances and graduated with a lot of student debt and was just kind of drowning in money. So that kind of was the first, I guess, introduction to, okay, I'm struggling with money. Other people, other millennials are probably struggling with money too. So I had a little bit of it in my program. And then my clients were just always like, we need more, we need more. And I was obviously doing a really good job of managing my money and paying off a lot of my debt, building up savings, started investing. So I 
I'm very confident in the ability that I have to talk about personal finances and budgeting. So I was like, I might as well include more of this. And then it really took off, especially on TikTok. I cannot believe how fast my following has grown on TikTok and how many videos have just blown up. Like I've had four in like four months go viral or three months. I don't know, really, just really crazy. So it just became more and more obvious that this is a thing that people are really needing. And I think that I offer a very unique perspective because I am a millennial woman and most of the financial industry and financial gurus are older men and people are tired of that. <laughs> like they don't want to listen to an old man in a suit. They want someone who understands what they go through and their struggles. And in my opinion, boomers cannot teach finance to millennials. I mean, there's some skills that transfer over, but everything has changed so much that it's really important for us to think about, okay, how are millennials' lives different and what different struggles do they have and what has changed in the economy and what has changed, you know, with their their priorities and their goals. And so that's why I think that I've gained such a following so fast because everyone's like, okay, she gets it. <laughs> like, she's not just telling me to like never have debt and save every penny I have. She like understands that there's other things going on in life as well and that those are important to talk about. So yeah, that's kind of, I guess, where the pivot happened. It just naturally developed that way. And now it's it's largely my focus and it's become something I'm super passionate about. Yeah. And so what is that like? What is it like to break into an industry that is so sort of set in its ideal of like, this is what you need to do. These are the rules of finance. And if you don't follow these, you're going to be broke. What is it like to all of a sudden just sort of jump into that blow up, have people like coming to you and respecting what it is you have to say? I'm sure there's a lot of like imposter syndrome almost that goes on there where you're like, who am I to be giving people this advice? Like, I'm just kind of sharing my story, but then having people really sort of grab onto it and be like, no, this makes sense. This resonates with me. What is that experience like? Yeah. So it's been very rewarding and also very difficult. If you would have asked me five years ago, if I would be in the finance industry, I would have laughed because my sister is actually an accountant. And I used to always say, that is my worst nightmare to be at an office job and be doing that. But I never realized that I could have a job in the finance industry that looked the way that I wanted to look. And once I realized that that was possible and that I can dance on screen and not wear any makeup and like show up in my pajamas and people will still buy for me, then I realized like, oh, I can actually do this in my way in a way that feels good for me. So I definitely had a lot of hate and I've had a lot of just horrible comments and a lot of people that continually put me down on every video, but I also have created, I feel like a community of super fans who just love every single thing I post. And so that's really what I try to focus on. I also do boundaries for myself and my business in terms of what I feel confident coaching on and what I'm qualified to coach on. So I don't touch anything to do with investing or retirement. I cover like financial literacy in terms of like, this is the types of investing you can do. This is like what an ETF is, what a, what a stock is, what a mutual fund is, but I will never tell someone where to invest their money because that's personally not something that I am qualified to do. It's something that I am in the process of getting a certification for. So I will be able to offer that. But I think that's just an important thing for my imposter syndrome as well, is just being really clear on what it is that I am confident coaching in. I, am, I do have the skills to coach in and kind of drawing the line there. 
but ultimately, I mean, the people leaving negative comments don't see my client testimonials. They don't see the transformation that I have with my clients. And I've never gotten a negative review ever from a client and I've only had extreme positive outcomes. So I know that the work that I'm doing is powerful. It's important. And I'm changing people's lives. Yeah. And I think that that is something, a lot of what you just said is really important to note the idea of knowing your boundaries for yourself and setting those, because I think oftentimes, especially when we start to see success, we want to be the doer of all things. We want to be able to solve everyone's problem. And so for you to know that, okay, I can help people with X, Y, and Z, but I'm not qualified in A, B, and C. So maybe I can refer you to the right person who could help you with that or show you the resources so you can figure it out on your own. I think that that's something that I have seen in my own business and I've seen other entrepreneurs struggle with as well. So I guess just kudos to you for being able to sort of figure that out on your own and to be able to define those boundaries. And again, to note with what you said about the haters, essentially, I think also that's something that anyone who has done anything, regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur or you're just someone who has like this new hobby that you want to start doing, people are going to be out there judging you no matter what you do. And you're always going to be wrong at something, no matter if you're like doing your job or you're just doing something for fun, like there's something wrong with what you're doing. Always just being mindful, I guess, of the thought that you are helping the people who need your help and the people who don't get it weren't meant to understand it anyway. Does that make sense? Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I think just what really helped me was being really clear on my why and why I was doing this and why it was important. And knowing that, especially at the beginning, because everyone thought I was crazy. Like everyone was like, what are you doing? What is this online business? My parents were like, you can't charge that much. Like, what do you, you can't charge that much for this. And I just had so much of that, especially at the beginning, especially when I wasn't making money, it can be very discouraging because you don't really have that physical proof of, you know, my business is successful, but I had such a strong why and such a strong vision of what my business was going to do and how many people I was going to help that that's what really kept me going at the beginning. But I completely agree. Like throughout whatever you're doing, you're always going to have people that are doubting you. And it's just like, yeah, clinging to your why and the people that are supporting you is really what gets you through. But also on that note, like not being totally delusional and like, I'm the best at everything. Everybody loves me. I think there's like a a fine balance between taking constructive feedback, but then letting people just sort of like destroy your confidence totally. So knowing where to draw that line as well is important, I would say. Yeah, I agree. And with every comment and DM, I always try and look at it from that lens of what can I take away from this that is potentially helpful for my business. And if there is something constructive, then amazing. I will take note of that. But a lot of times it'll also, there is those people that are just being mean to be mean. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're so right. Like just knowing when to kind of let that comment go and just move on versus like, okay, what are they actually saying to me that could be helpful, even if it is in a mean way. And yeah, I think that's really important. So that's a really good point to bring up. It's so funny. Right before we hopped up, hopped on this call, I was on TikTok and I was reading, somebody had done like a a video replying to like a rude comment that they had gotten. And then somebody else had commented on it being like, I was wondering why this person's username was so familiar, but it's because they're a troll that just comments negative stuff on every video they've ever seen. So it's like 
some people's literal hobby is to just go on social media and tear everybody down. So I think keeping that in mind, anytime that you get a comment that you're, is just kind of like out of left field and you're like, why is this person so angry with what I'm doing? Remembering that oftentimes it's a reflection of them, right? Definitely. And I think it is, there is something to say about the fact that I am a woman and openly queer and progressing in this industry and a lot of men not to generalize all of them but a lot of them do not like that and the fact that I am being successful and I am you know sharing all of these things that have been largely a male dominated industry so I think that for anyone out there who's doing something that might be against the norm or might be you know going into an industry where there's not a lot of representation you know whether you're a person of color or you know you're transgender or you're a woman like there's always going to be people that are fighting back on that because it's not falling into the traditional gender norms and traditional roles that we should be following in society. So I think there's also a lot of hate that I get for that. And I, I can recognize that, you know, they're just angry because <laughs> I'm a successful woman and I probably know more than them. <laughs> but, yeah. It's like a threat. Like who is this yeah. young, young woman coming in to steal my clients? It's like those people wouldn't have wanted to work with you in the first place, dude. Like Take a step back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. So would you say that some of the most difficult challenges then that you've faced up until now are being a woman, being queer, breaking into this very male dominated black tie industry and sort of rewriting the story or what has that experience been like? Yeah, I would say definitely the biggest struggle for me just in life and definitely in my business is letting go of the social norms that I was raised with. I very much was raised in a household that taught me to get good grades in high school, get into a good university, get a degree, and then land a good job with benefits and, you know, the good pension. pension. We need the pension. <laughs> the good, stable job. That's kind of what I was told to do. And that was my only vision of success. Like that was the only path that was laid out for me. I don't have any entrepreneurial people in my family at all, even in my extended family. So I didn't have representation of what that looked like. So I thought that was the only way to be successful. And my dad was very successful climbing the corporate ladder and did end in a very successful position, very high up in the company. So I did see success with that. Like I had that representation. So that was a really big struggle for me because as I started to grow and break out of this and realize that I don't operate well in a nine to five. Like I have ADHD, anxiety, and depression, which is a great cocktail for trying to wake up early and try to focus at work and trying to, you know, do all the things that are in a, in a nine to five structure. So I realized that wasn't for me. I, I realized that I would never make good money or what I consider good money doing something in the degree that I got. So I was, that was the biggest challenge for me was just trying to navigate that even though like my brain was very much wired to like no this is what you should be going after you should be getting the good job you should be you know getting married and having children and having the white picket fence and like but re realistically that's not what I want at all I'm actually very the opposite of the American dream I guess so that's been the biggest challenge because of all the backlash that I've gotten from other people from my parents especially they're so supportive now but it took a long time of them really not understanding what I was doing and really like always wanting me to have another job on the side. I actually just quit my part-time job. I haven't been working at it since COVID, um, but I just officially quit. And so that was something that even then my parents were still like, 
that's a great job. You shouldn't quit. And I'm like, I make 10 times more in my job than I ever did at that job. So just things like that and trying to figure out how I fit in in this industry and also really struggling at the beginning with showing up as myself and putting that into my personal brand because I also going off of the typical nine to five, I had this image of what a successful woman looked like. You know, she was very professional and put together and well-spoken. I never swore on my page. I always did my makeup for videos and always, you know, looked, looked well put together. And that's not me at all. (laughs) That's not the person that I am. And so I definitely attribute a lot of my success this year to the fact that I fully stepped into who I was and fully embraced who I was and brought that to my business and brought that to social media. And that's when my business blew up. And so that really was me kind of finally overcoming that struggle of like success doesn't have one path and one image. There's so many different images of success and definitions of success. Yeah. And sort of just coming to terms on that on your own time. And then understanding, I think as well, that everyone around you and the important people in your life don't necessarily have to understand it for you to go forward and pursue it. I think you and I have very similar stories in that sense. I had like the stable nine to five full-time job, pension benefits, blah, 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 blah. And I would sit at my desk every day And I would feel like my brain was melting out of my head. And I would be like, how is this going to be my life for the next 35 years? Like, I cannot do this. And then I sort of found like the world of online entrepreneurship and just decided to sort of take a chance to do it. And everyone around me, especially people of like my parents' age and their friends and whatever, were like, what the heck are you doing? Are you sure this is a good idea? And I think ultimately at the end of the day, it comes down to knowing what's right for you and your circumstance. I think there are definitely people out there who the nine to five structure fits well for them. They need that rigidity. They need to know the security of like, I'm going to get my paycheck of X amount of dollars every two weeks. I know that Monday to Friday, I get to go like do my job. And then at five o'clock I can turn everything off and I don't have to worry about it, which is a whole other thing we could get into in terms of like work-life balance. But the point I'm trying to make here is that there are definitely people that fit into that, but then there are definitely people who don't. And it's harder, I think, for those of us who don't resonate with that very structured white picket fence lifestyle to be taken seriously, especially when we first decide to transition out of what is considered normal into doing our own thing. When you aren't raised in a situation, I'm very similar to you in the sense also that like no one in my family is an entrepreneur. I had a friend in university tell me the best way to be successful is to start your own business. And I laughed in his face and was like, I am never going to do that. That is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Like I will be at my office job. See you later. And then I just think like 10 years later, how ironic that is and how now I just want to turn everything into a business idea. I'm like, okay, and this could be a business and then I'm going to make this business, but Again, that's a story for another day. I think that the point again that I'm trying to make is that regardless of what people think is normal or what makes sense to the people around you, you sort of have to ask yourself like what what is important to me though at the end of the day? Again, coming back to this idea of your why. Why do I want to get up in the morning? What is motivating for me? What do I value? And how can I start to live and work in a way that's going to align with those things? I love that. And something that I really focus on in my coaching is your values as a person, like not just in terms of like, I value family and like general things like that, but more so your deep core personal values. 
And I very much use that as like a compass in my life. So just as an example, like my values are community, creativity, and continuous improvement. And so if I were to look at my job, my old nine to five job, those things were not represented because I did not have the ability to be creative and do what I want. Even though I had ideas every day of like, you could improve so much if you did this and this and this, but no, shut down, not my job. And I wasn't really improving because I have one job to do for the end of time. And there wasn't a community because I wasn't connecting with, I wasn't building a community. I wasn't, you know, having that connection. So yeah, things like that. It just was really apparent to me that I need whatever career, whether it was, you know, working for someone else, I needed those three things. Like I needed to have that in order to be fulfilled by my job. So I love that you brought up values because I think that's so important for people just to think about. And if their job is truly giving them what they want. And I think that COVID was a great opportunity for a lot of people to evaluate their job after going to work from home and maybe escaping some of the things they didn't enjoy. And now thinking about, okay, going back to work, are you excited about that? Are you dreading that? <laughs> like, how are you feeling about going back to the same role that you were doing before COVID? And I think that can be a really good signal of whether or not that job is fulfilling you and it's something that you want to continue doing. Yeah, that's such a great point to make, especially with COVID and the transition that we've seen there, because I've had this discussion a number of times with friends of mine, this idea that for me, one of my core values is freedom and having the flexibility to like be autonomous over how I spend my time. And my biggest issue with my nine to five job was the fact that the tasks that I had or something that I could easily have done from a laptop in my bed. Like I was filling out Excel spreadsheets. Why do I have to drive an hour a day to an office to do that when I could do it from the comfort of my own home? And so I always joke with people that like, maybe if COVID had have happened four years ago, I never would have quit my nine to five job because I could have done the job and taken home the paycheck, but I could have done it with the freedom and flexibility that I wanted, right? So I think it'll be interesting for sure to see how people who have now adjusted over the past nine months or so into working remotely and having that flexibility in their life have to transition eventually back into an office atmosphere. Now it's safe to say, I think that a lot of jobs are sort of seeing that as the new model of working, but I know that from people that I've talked to who work, especially like in the finance industry, downtown Toronto, a lot of them are still going to have that requirement to come back to the office, at least for a portion of their time. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how that shifts as the new normal, I guess, starts to open up whenever that happens. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, I think that I'm optimistic that a lot of workplaces will realize the importance of having more flexibility in how someone works and having more options to work from home. So hopefully we see that because that would be a positive that would come out of this time for sure. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting too for different generations, because I think like us as millennials, it's something that we really value. Whereas people who are maybe older than us like the structure of having that like work and home divide of like, I go to my office, I do my job there, and then I come home and I do my things at home. And it can be difficult if you've worked in an office setting for say 20, 25 years to all of a sudden be like, what do you mean I have to work from my dining room table? Like, I don't know. I don't know what this looks like. So actually, I'm curious to know what that's like for you. How do you like to structure your schedule or I guess days in a way that works for you? I know that's something that I've struggled with over the course of essentially like the last three years of being like, how do I spend my time in a way that makes sense? So I'd be curious to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. So 
I'll be honest and say this is something that I still struggle with. I was recently diagnosed with ADHD. So obviously this has brought a lot of realizations about why I've struggled with this my whole life. <laughs> um, but definitely for me, so I, I have a roommate, so I don't have the luxury of having an office space or being able to put my desk in like another room. So I do have my desk in my bedroom, which definitely blurs the lines between work and regular life. But for me, what has been helpful is setting clear boundaries in terms of my work. So, you know, I will decide based on, I guess, when I wake up, how long I have to work that day. So I like to give myself that flexibility that if I'm not feeling well because of a mental health thing or anything, and I sleep until 10, that I will adjust and work a little bit later. But I decide that kind of at the beginning of the day and don't give myself the opportunity to just continue working because there's always more work to do. And another thing that I found helpful is dividing my days of the week by types of tasks. So I have like client call days, and that's also when I do all of my client work. So like anything that I have to create for a client or any like homework I'm giving them or any homework that I have to look at will be done on those days. So it's kind of using one section of my brain and like really focusing on my clients. And then I'll have another day where I'm doing, you know, content creation. So I'm planning my content, filming content, doing that kind of thing. Um, another day where it's like course optimization. So I'm going in and optimizing my programs, anything that needs to be updated, changed, looking at feedback forms, things like that. So that's how I've lately been operating. And it's been working well for me. It's just having a kind of clear focus for the day and having like all my tasks kind of be the same type of, I guess, skill or the same type of like brain power <laughs> for like that type of task um, per day. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. Definitely still working on it, improving on like becoming more productive and finding a schedule that works well for my ADHD brain. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And batching has definitely been, and is always something that I've talked about on the podcast a few times in terms of productivity, a great way to sort of focus your time and space in one specific area because we lose a lot of time even if we don't necessarily realize it transitioning from task to task to task because our brain has to sort of like shift gears almost and it's like what am I doing now I don't know so definitely definitely useful regardless of whether you are an entrepreneur or you work a nine-to-five job I think that's very useful advice to know that if you sort of can section your day to be specifically focused on certain tasks you will see it help improve your productivity overall. And I think that's sort of a realization that I've been coming to recently as well. And sort of allowing myself to realize that you don't have to put in an eight hour workday to, to actually have been productive. If you are actually focused and working on content creation or podcast production or whatever it is for a solid four hours, and that's all you get done in a day, as long as you were like wholeheartedly in it and focused on it, I think that's just as good as you sitting at your desk pretending to be productive for eight hours. So finding that balance, I guess, um, between the two is definitely important. Yeah. And something that I've been doing lately, because I am one of those people that really previously have tied my self-worth to my to-do list. So I very much, if I didn't finish everything on my to-do list, or I didn't have a lot of work output, I would feel inadequate. I would feel like I didn't do anything. Even if I literally worked for like seven hours and did a million things, I would somehow end the day being like, I didn't do enough. 
So something I've been doing lately is I actually, I got this from someone on Instagram and I apologize. I don't remember her name, but she mentioned feels, wins, and funds. So throughout the day, you stop like maybe at lunchtime and then at the end of the day and maybe before bed and you think about any wins, feels, or funds you had throughout the day and it can't have anything to do with your work output. So a win for me might be I ate like three meals today or I drank enough water today. Um, funds are like, you know, fun things I did. So like I learned a new TikTok dance and it was super fun or I went to a new coffee shop or I tried a new meal that I really liked. And then feels is like um, how you're feeling throughout the day. So like I was really high energy today. I was really positive. I, you know, was really happy. I got to see my friend or whatever. And so that has been really helping me lately to use that as a measurement of my day as opposed to my to-do list and just like really focusing on how I'm feeling and the other things in my life, because real, really those are even more important than my business is, you know, how are my emotions? How happy am I throughout the day? Am I doing the things that I want to do in my life? Like, you know, seeing people and going outside and those types of things. So yeah, that's been something that I've been implementing to try and get away from that large focus on my to-do list. Yeah. And I think being able to focus on those emotions and achieving those emotions is ultimately going to lend you the opportunity to be able to be more productive and accomplish more things. Because if you're feeling good emotionally, you're going to be more likely motivated to actually, you know, put in the work and create the things that are going to attract clients or accomplish your work or whatever that looks like for your specific circumstance. I have a client who actually introduced me to a similar idea where instead of writing a to-do list each day, she writes an intention for an emotion she wants to achieve by the end of the day. So by the end of the day, I want to feel X, Y, and Z. And I think that that and the exercise that you shared are both beautiful ways to sort of really draw our attention away from this traditional structure of like, you must do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven things, or you are not worthy, right? So finding your worth in ways that are a little bit less tangible, I guess, is definitely like a new way to look at things, but super, super effective, I would say. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that this productivity that we need to achieve this work output is very much tied to the traditional nine to five. And I think it's interesting. I've just reflected on it that I've removed myself from the nine to five, but I still very much am like thinking that my day has to look like a nine to five, like not necessarily working nine to five, but it's like you work eight hours, you know, you do all these things like that kind of thing. So yeah, it's just been interesting dropping that and trying to move past that and recognizing that you can build a successful business and operate better if you're focusing on these other things rather than just what you're getting done. Exactly. And not being so fixated on like, I have to put in 40 hours this week. Like maybe this week I'll only put in 20, but I still made enough money to pay my bills. So who really cares? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love that. So what advice would you have for anyone who is maybe like, in this position where they're feeling kind of stuck, uncertain, they have sort of this like inclination to maybe pursue an interest or maybe go after something they've sort of been like waffling over. Um, What would you say to those people who want to take the leap, but haven't quite had the courage to do so? I mean, at this point, I'm just kind of like, what are you waiting for? (laughs) Because I, I think 
COVID for me, it's been, obviously there's been a lot of painful parts of it. And I know there's so many people in the world that are struggling and have lost family and friends. And it's been obviously awful, but there has been some positives. And I think for me and for many people listening, COVID really stripped away the distractions, right? Like we can't go out and drink or we can't go out and like just surround ourselves with friends constantly. And it just stripped everything away. And we were left with ourselves and like our job, our own relationship with ourselves. And for anyone listening, like, were you happy with that? Are you happy with that? And like, probably if you have this inkling to do something else, you probably weren't fully satisfied with what you were left with when everything else was stripped away and those distractions were stripped away. So I think that's really telling that like, like make the changes, you know, life is short and we've shown this year how everything can change in an instant. The entire world can get flipped upside down, you know, stop waiting for a better time, for an opportune time, for everything to line up because it's never going to work like that. And I mean, I am living proof that you can build a six figure business out of nothing. (laughs) And I, you know, if I hadn't have gone for it and just did it because I felt like it was something that I need to do, then I would still be in the same place that I was, you know, two years ago where I was at my nine to five, I was going to the bathroom stall to cry and scroll on indeed looking for new jobs. Like that would still be me and nothing would have changed. And that would have been horrible. I think that this is a really good opportunity right now to really reflect on what's important to you. What do you value? What's in alignment with those values in your life? And what isn't in alignment? What isn't working? And like, what can you add in to create more alignment in your life? And what do you need to remove to like get rid of that resistance? I understand the fear of like jumping into something new. It's always terrifying. And we obviously put ourselves up to potential criticism and judgment from others but at the end of the day it's your life it's your happiness and those people aren't paying your bills those people are not you know making you happy those people you know they're just random people and the most important person in your life is you like main character energy yeah (laughs) you're the main character of your life (laughs) that's honestly so important to remember though I remember back when I first started my business and there were people in my life who I had considered friends at the time who were super critical of what I was doing. And this thing that you just said of like, those people aren't the ones who pay your bills. Those are literally the people who have never once shared an Instagram post of mine, bought a product from me, like mentioned me, referred me to a friend, like those people who are critical of you aren't going to be the ones that are going to cheer you on when you find success, all of a sudden they might like come out of the woodwork being like, Oh, like what's Lisa up to these days? Remember when we used to be friends five years ago, it's like, you need to be okay with letting go of the people, the things, the activities that are keeping you stuck where you are. And this is something that I was just talking about last week with the girls in my membership program is this idea of when we know there's a change we want to make in our life, something we want to go after we need to create the space for it to happen. And that often comes at the price of having to let go of things that maybe feel safe and familiar for us, but are no longer serving us. And it's okay to recognize that jobs we used to have or people we used to spend time with or activities we used to do on the weekends aren't for us anymore. They served a purpose for us at the time and they did what they needed to when we needed them, but it's okay to let those things go. And I think that can be really hard. And I know it is hard. I've been through it. You've been through it. But it's an important reminder that sometimes we just need to hear that like, 
it's okay to let go of things that once felt safe and to take the risk into the unknown and see what happens. Because like you said, one life, that's it. And we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or six months from now. So what's, what's the worst that could happen in taking that risk? Yeah, I love that so much. And just to add on that, I think that another thing to keep in mind is you can still be grateful for where your life is right now, the job you have, you know, the opportunities that you have and still want more. Like it's not, it's not one or the other. Like I, I hear that a lot from my clients of like, well, I have a great job and I should be grateful. And yes, you, you can be grateful, but you can also recognize that there's more out there and that you're capable of more. And you reaching for more allows you to help and inspire more people, which is only a positive thing. And the world needs more of that. Yeah. And it's not selfish to want to chase after that success for yourself. I think that a lot of times there's shame associated with you going after the things you want, because like you said, like, well, I should be grateful that I already have this great job or I already have this, these great relationships, or I already have X, Y, and Z. So why is it that I'm constantly like feeling this need to seek more and go after more? I think that that sort of just comes back to this idea of like self-improvement and always reflecting on what's important to us and understanding that we're allowed as humans to want to continuously improve our lives. And that's okay. It's not selfish. And you're not doing, as long as you're not doing it at the cost of someone else and their well-being. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And from like, I mean, my coaching brain coming out right now, just what you mentioned about success is a lot of times, I think every client I've ever worked with has had limiting beliefs around like money and success. So if you're one of those people that is listening to this right now and you're like, oh, they're calling me out. (laughs) Um, It's probably a good time to like examine what beliefs you have around money and success and maybe what your parents told you, you know, about money and success, like growing up and try to dig deeper into that because you really could have like subconscious beliefs that are just, they're holding you back from taking that leap because you, you don't believe that it's possible for you or you think that, you know, rich people are evil or greedy or, or any of those things. Do you have any book recommendations for people? I know when I was first working through like my money mindset sort of issues that I had four years ago, I mean, I still, I'm sure I have some now, but when I was first starting my journey, there were a few like key books that I read that were really helpful or like podcasts that I listened to. So I'm curious to know if you have any resources that you'd like to share with people who are maybe struggling with that. Yeah. So you probably read this one too, but one of my biggest recommendations is You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen yeah. Zero. I really like that one because she gives homework. Like she has journaling prompts and exercises that you can actually work through it. That would be my number one at this time. I'm in the process right now of trying to find more resources to recommend. Um, but I definitely want to make sure that, yeah, I've done my due diligence before recommending them. So that would probably be the one that I would say right off the bat. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great book. And I think she has written it in a way that if this is something you've like a topic you've never explored before, it's not like you're going to pick up the book and be like, Oh my God, I have no idea what she's talking about. This is so overwhelming. It's very much like accessible and easy to understand and applicable to your life, regardless of where you're at in your money journey, for sure. Definitely. Awesome. Well, do you have anything else you want to share with the audience before we hop off here? Any like parting words of wisdom, perhaps? I guess I just want to say that every single person listening, you deserve a seat at the table, whether you're trying to move up in a company, whether you're trying to break into an industry, whether you're trying to start your own business, you deserve that seat at the table, you deserve 
a voice and you deserve to have the impact and the income that you desire. And anyone who tells you differently is wrong. So, <laughs> so message me honestly, and I'll tell you why. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, just, just go after it and swear on this one, but like, you can't fuck it up. That's like one of my biggest affirmations, no matter what you are capable and you'll figure it out. Something goes wrong. You'll figure it out. You can't fuck it up. <laughs> exactly. Or you'll learn a very valuable lesson on how to do it right next time. Like it's fine. Exactly. Everything is fine. Awesome. So where can people find you on the internet? So you can find me on TikTok at millennial underscore coach. I'll link everything in the description as well. Okay. And then you can find me on Instagram at elise.fulmore and God, go to the description for that one because <laughs> that's Spelling. not an obvious one to spell. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here. I really appreciate that. And I think that the message that you share is going to help a lot of people to really recognize that they are capable and they are worthy regardless of whether the industry is too saturated or I don't know what I'm talking about. It's super, super important to have an example of someone who has been there and has been through it and has done it. That anything's really possible if you can sort of focus and tune out the noise. So thank you so much. Yes, completely. You're welcome. And I do want to say if anyone comes and follows me and tells me that you're from this podcast, I do have a free little financial audit that you can do to start kind of getting more awareness for your money. So you can just send me a message on Instagram and say you're from this podcast and I'll send it your way for free. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for setting that up. That is great. And I will chat with you again so soon. Okay. It sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. It was honestly such a fun and refreshing conversation to have about the reality of making the decision to try something that's sort of out of the norm and to really just stay firm in what is right for you regardless of what other people might have to say about it. I am truly in such awe of the work that Elise is doing, and I am incredibly amazed by the progress she has made in such a short period of time. I think it's truly something to be admired. So if you haven't already, pause this episode, click on the description, go and follow her on all of the channels, and that's gonna be it for this week. If you have any requests of people you would like to see on the podcast, or maybe you want to be on the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I am actively recruiting right now for guests for the upcoming months of this year. And I am always open to sharing my platform with people who have a valuable message that can help to serve the masses. So that'll be it for this week. I'll be back again next week with a solo episode. So stay tuned for that. We'll actually be talking about goal setting, but not in the traditional sense. The theme this year is to actually lower the bar for ourselves. So I'm really excited to dive into that conversation. Stay tuned for that. Stay fresh, stay wild, take care, comb your hair. I'll talk to you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you get notified when new episodes go live. Make sure to rate and review this podcast and be sure to share it with your friends. I'll talk with you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. Love you so much.